0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So the question of the day, what is it that brings real happiness and real contentment? Two days ago, we observed St. Valentine's Day, a day on which we entertain love stories. And you know that most love stories end with And they lived happily ever after. Is that a pipe dream? Is it fantasy? Or is it really possible to be happy? And not just happy, but to be happy forever. In his book, Care of the Soul... The former monk termed psychotherapist Thomas Moore says, the great malady of our day implicated in all of our troubles and affecting us individually and socially is the loss of soul. When soul is neglected, it doesn't just go away. It appears symptomatically in obsessions, addictions, violence, and loss of meaning. The emotional complaints of our time, complaints we therapists hear every day in our practice, include emptiness, meaninglessness, vague depression, disillusionment about marriage and family and relationships, a loss of values, yearning for personal fulfillment. All of these symptoms reflect a loss of soul and let us know what the soul craves. And then he continues, We yearn excessively for entertainment, power, intimacy, sexual fulfillment, and material things, and we think we can find these things If we discover the right relationship, or the right job, or the right church, or the right therapy, but without soul, whatever we find will be unsatisfying, for what we long for truly is for soul in each of these areas. Lacking that soulfulness, we attempt to gather these alluring satisfactions to us in great masses thinking apparently that quantity will make up for a lack of quality. So basically he's saying often we keep turning to the wrong places and we make wrong decisions and we keep ending up with this same feeling of emptiness inside and then we keep thinking to ourselves, why doesn't somebody stop me? Or why can't somebody help me find my way? Well, we see some direction here in two of our lessons today. In Deuteronomy, Moses is trying to point the way to the life that the Hebrew people want. We know the story, right? Moses, with a mighty hand guided by God, helped free the enslaved Hebrews from Pharaoh's grip. But no sooner are they free from Pharaoh than they want to turn their back on the very life that God wanted for them by enslaving themselves once again to idolatry and self-rule. So in this passage from Deuteronomy, Moses is trying to beat a bit of truth into these stubborn heads and hearts by saying, you're not going to find your way to happiness by ignoring the one who created the concept. Happiness and life are found in following God. And he says it this way, See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity, If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I am commanding you today by loving the Lord your God, walking in his ways, and observing the commandments, decrees, and ordinances, then, and only then, he implies, shall you live. It's about as simple as an automobile which normally runs on gasoline or battery power, um, we as human beings are supposed to run on God's grace and mercy and the goodness of God. When we try to put sugar in our car, it doesn't work. And when we try to fill ourselves up with something else other than what comes from God, it doesn't work. In the gospel lesson, Jesus counters an argument ...that some amateur biblical scholars sometimes try to make. That the God of the Old Testament is mean and angry and harsh. And the God of the New Testament is all sweetness and light. I think that both the Old and the New Testaments... um, ...aren't meant to be mean and harsh versus sweet and nice but are kind of like a good parent who brings us both the clarity and love and parameters and grace and warnings and forgiveness and much more all at the same time. Which is why we find Jesus talking about these well-known laws of the Old Testament, murder and idolatry, and taking them a little bit further than even Moses took them. And he says, frankly, that righteous living that is called out of us is not just a matter of the things that we do. It's a matter of the actions of the heart. It's not enough to keep back your hand from violence, but unjustified anger and rage are not acceptable either. It's not enough to keep from infidelity. One must guard one's heart as well. In the words from Moses and from Jesus, we learned that there is a way or a path to happiness, and it's not by living according to our own wills necessarily, but by living under God's will. We want to somehow find happiness on our own terms. It's kind of like saying, well, can I have the golden calf and worship it just a little bit while I also have you, gracious God? And the answer from Moses is no. It's one or the other. And the answer from Jesus today is no. If you want real happiness... In your life and real fulfillment, you're all in with God. Our gospel lesson reflects what scholars have sometimes called the hard sayings of Jesus. But when Jesus and the New Testament writers begin to unpack hard lessons about righteousness, what they stressed was not so much what you do, but how you think and feel. It's about the heart. So it's not checking the right boxes. Are you doing the right things? But it's getting one's heart in sync with God's heart. And that's the reminder for us today and the goal for us today. For Jesus to be righteous meant being in a right relationship with God. And it's the kind of relationship that bears fruit. In fact, the translation of righteousness can also imply it. your relationship with God, then, helps you to show justice and mercy in the world. So it starts in the heart. And then maybe it ends up with checking a few boxes. But it's not the other way around. It's kind of like a wedding ceremony. The ceremony itself that talks about honor and loving and cherishing doesn't start when you say your vows to one another. That cherishing And honoring and loving starts when two people begin to live into those marriage vows. It's not the burden of vow taking that makes one happy in marriage, it's the relationship itself that leads to happiness. So the same is true with our relationship with God. Maybe you know this old joke. So on a dark night, a police officer was walking down the street. She sees a man hunched over, desperately searching for something under a bright street lamp. So she says, What's the matter? And the guy says, Well, I've lost my keys. Will you help me find them? So she says, Well, sure. So they look for several minutes. And finally she says, I've searched the whole area with you, and I just don't see anything. Are you sure you dropped your keys here? And he said, well, no, I dropped them over there. And she said, well, why are you looking over here, under the street lamp? He says, well, it's lighter, I can see better here. Leo Tolstoy once wrote, If you are not happy with your life, you can change it in one of two ways. Either improve the conditions in which you live, or improve your inner spiritual state. The first one is not always possible, but the second is, because that is often up to the choices we make and the pattern we live our life. And frankly, he wrote that from his own experience. In his latter days, he wrote a book called Confessions. It was an autobiography of sorts. He shares that he had rejected Christianity as a child, so he left the university and entered the social world of Moscow, drinking heavily, living promiscuously, gambling, and he found that he was not satisfied ambitions for money he inherited a lot of money um, uh, and uh, he had a lot from the books that he read but he found that that money was also something that wasn't satisfying him so he turned more to success and notoriety and he wrote that the Encyclopedia Britannica describes as one of the two or three greatest novels in the world was were the ones written by Tolstoy. So he kept asking himself, well, what's left? Um, what now? So then he tried to find fulfillment in family. He married in 1862, had 13 children, which he said often distracted him from his overall search for meaning in life. So he had achieved it all, Yet the one question he was still asking was, what is it all about and what am I going to do with my life? He was actually on the verge of suicide when he decided to look more closely at the way other people in Russia were living their life. And he found that the peasants in Moscow were much happier than he was And he came to realize that these peasants were much more happy because they had a simple faith in Christ. And so he turned back to the church and back to Christ, and he said that that's what led him to happiness and fulfillment in his life. This is an opportunity for us to ask those questions too. What makes us happy? What makes us fulfilled in our life? What can fill us up? Can we live happily ever after? Hopefully the answer is yes. If we turn to God and fill ourselves up with God's grace and mercy if we find ourselves maybe at the feet of mentors who can teach us and share with us God's love and share with us their stories of fulfillment. We're never going to find happiness by turning to the golden calves. We're never going to find happiness by living life only on our own terms. But we can and will by the grace of God, with God's love. Amen.